Hello, everyone. This is Marcus Robertson with Becker's Healthcare. Thank you for tuning into the Becker's Healthcare podcast series. Today, I am pleased to be joined by Bevy Miner. She is the Executive Vice President of Healthcare IT Strategy and Policy for Consensus Cloud Solutions. Bevy, thanks for being here. Thank you, Marcus. Absolutely. Let's go ahead and jump in. So, how are payers receiving and responding to prior authorization requests today? A lot of, lot of news recently about prior authorizations, obviously, but how are payers handling the requests right now? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really great question. Um, and payers are our customers, of course, because we're not a payer, but we work with a lot of payers in this really um, laborious process. And the first thing that we look at is that electronic prior authorizations has been a really big focus of the industry for a long, long time. And that is to just get rid of the paper, stand by a fax machine and send an authorization in. Um, and that's a very manual uh, paper intensive way of thinking about how that workflow is bogged down. And you know, I'm happy to say that electronic prior authorizations for medications has reached over 50%. I don't have the exact statistics, but I think it's into the 60% of medication authorizations are done at least with electronic prior authorization today. Manual, not as much. I think 30, 40% of um, medical uh, prior authorizations are done manually. So that was what I really needed to say is that that manual process that at a higher rate is happening on the medical side. So we still want to push and promote electronic prior authorizations, and you'll see that referenced as an EPA sometimes. But more than that, those documents, even if they are electronic, if they are unstructured and they're sent to a payer as a PDF, as an example, they still have to be data entered somehow. They still have to be reviewed and looked at by somebody in the utilization management side of a payer or the prior authorization workflow in order to have any kind of decision made. And that is where we see most of the delays and we see a lot of the complicated workflow processes just, there's still a lot of manual labor when you have to do a lot of data entry. And there's many errors that can happen that way too. Well, we are, you know, as part of that movement, we're seeing big payers recently say they're going to reduce prior authorizations, uh, you know, in some cases. What do you believe the main challenge is for payers as, uh, you know, with, with all the pressure to shorten the time for authorizations and streamline the process? Well, when you really look at all the stakeholders involved in a prior authorization, and we're all patients, so I'm sure you all and all the listeners here have had similar experiences where you needed to get an authorization for an MRI, or you needed to have an authorization for a specialist, and it's delayed and delayed. And the first place you're going to call when your authorization to the next step for your therapy or your treatment is your physician. And so physicians are getting all of these phone calls saying, why can't I get in for my MRI? When can I sign up to make an appointment for that specialist? So the physician's offices are getting a, a lot of inbound phone calls causing huge dissatisfaction with the physicians. We already have the dissatisfaction with the patients. So you, you know, think about it when you've needed to wait for an authorization coming from your physicians and that patient equaling member dissatisfaction 
and the physician's dissatisfaction is really causing the very, very beginning of why this whole prior authorization process is not really working. Um, and when you think about it, even when you do get an authorization in, many times the health plans will ask for additional data, another attachment, some more information. They may deny the authorization at first, saying that they need to have proof that the patient was on you know, some sort of step therapy or went to physical therapy first and there's some missing documentation. That bought down the whole process as well. And finally, when an authorization does go in, if it's for a medication or if it is for a, seeing a specialist, you know, with the delayed time, you have delayed treatment, which equals worst health outcomes. And many times you have patients that don't even want to comply because they needed to go in and get a medication that needed to be authorized. And by the time that medication is ready for them to pick up, it may be two weeks later and they don't even go pick up the medication. So you have lack of compliance because anytime you have disruption in the continuity of care, you're gonna have, like I said, bad health outcomes, you're gonna end up with dissatisfaction and patients may not comply. So there's a whole big process of all these actors and all these stakeholders that go into that authorization process that are just dissatisfied with the the entire process and you know when authorizations were first set up by payers there was a huge big noble reason to do it is that health plans had the largest evidence database of treatments that work which process should be the next process or the next step for treatment because they had the ability to show based on their data what equaled the best health outcome and they felt they could be in partnership with their physicians and with their patients to be able to provide good guidance on the utilization management and the next step for treatment. And today it has just become an administrative nightmare that is leading to you know, harmed patients and dissatisfaction across the board. You said when a patient's journey through healthcare gets stymied by these kinds of things, they are, if I understand correctly, they're just kind of throwing their hands up. I think that what you're finding is, um, and I, I have, I sat and I've witnessed panels where payers and providers are talking about this. And it's, you know, it looks like a debate stage for an election. It's just, it's just got such contentious um, issues going on in healthcare today because the providers don't believe it really helps speed treatment. Um, they don't feel they need to have a partner or a quarterback coming from their health plan telling them what the next phase of a patient's treatment should be. Um, and there's even headlines that when a prior authorization is delayed, a patient can be so harmed that it can equal a death because they were not given the treatment when they needed to be given the treatment. And that's that's very concerning. It's concerning to the, the family of the patients. It's concerning to the whole industry itself. And I think that's one of the reasons you're starting to see this percolate to the top. Um, and it's also one of the reasons that rulemaking going on right now with the, um, the notice of proposed rulemaking that just came out from CMS, which is the advancing interoperability and prior authorization rule is, is trying to now even add a lens of a regulatory, um, a regulatory process that can be put in place 
to help streamline the prior authorization process. So there's a lot of moving parts now, a lot, a lot of new things happening. What are, in your view, sort of the, the main trends right now we should be looking at that are contributing to the prior auth challenges? Yeah, I think you, 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 Marcus, you brought this up a little bit at the beginning where you're starting to see some headlines where, you know, health plans are what you, I think, phrased as getting out of prior authorizations. Um, they're still staying in the prior authorization process. I don't think that's ever going to be the direction a health plan will say, well, we're just not even going to do these at all um, because they do work. Um, and many times, you know, the positive side of a prior authorization is, you know, the health plan can say, well, let's try physical therapy or where you want to send them from their MRI is a highly expensive you know, MRI, and the patient can go to a more efficient place. So there's other ways that the authorization process still has a huge amount of value. But what the health plans are starting to do, um, United Healthcare just had a headline like this, I think um, last week or the week before, that for physicians that are constantly getting authorizations approved, and it may just be for a certain specialty or for a certain you know, procedure, if the majority, 90%, high 90s, those authorizations coming from that physician or that provider um, are getting approved all the time, then the health plans are going to like a gold star standard that is saying that you, know, you have reached such a level of effective achievement in the authorization process that you no longer have to send in for an authorization. And, you know, one of the things that's also really becoming a challenge with the providers is that each health plan has different forms for authorizations. Each health plan has different procedures or medications that are now requiring an authorization. And for every new procedure or medication that's requiring authorization, another one no longer requires an authorization. So just the administrative process of trying to stay up to date, think about the, the average you know, PCP's office. I mean, they may take five or six different health plans and each one of those plans is gonna have a different rule and a different way that an authorization has to be sent in for this procedure or that procedure and then multiply that by the number of health plans. So staying up to date on that has been a huge, huge, big challenge for providers as well. And that's one of the pushbacks they're giving to the payers. But if they do a great job and their authorizations have the right level of documentation and they're approved almost all the time, then that is one of the trends that we're seeing that really does mean that some physicians don't have to do they don't have to go through the authorization process. These, uh, you know, kind of gold star programs, if you know, are, are they just a situation where once you meet the requirements, you know, you are a gold star provider or is there an allotment of a certain amount that can be? Well, I think it depends on the health plans. You know, each individual plan is starting to look at this and say, you know, for these types of procedures, you no longer have to do an authorization. I don't think any health plan is just going to say that a certain provider no longer has to put in for an authorization, period. It's, it's going to be a little bit more piecemeal, and I think it's the right direction to go. Well, no, why do we need to have an administrative 
you know, bogged down in our whole system if each one of the players and the actors are doing what they need to do. You know, there's also headlines all over the place that are saying that, you know, health plans are just arbitrarily denying all the authorizations that they're getting in, not all, but a certain percentage of their authorizations. I saw a headline like this that, you know, Cigna was on the hot seat for denying without even looking at around 300,000 claims. So there's this, there's this notion that the payers just have this sort of automatic way that there really isn't any kind of human intelligence that is looking at this and looking at authorization by authorization, that it's an assembly line process. And I think, you know, not to defend the payer or to push the payer underneath the bus as well, to a certain extent, it's the only way they can get through some of the more challenging authorizations that are coming at them. I mean, some health plans have 230 people and all their job is, is to look at, open, approve or deny a prior authorization. Medications are um, much more prevalent, as you can imagine, with the amount of medications we do than medical procedures. But um, some of them are just rudimentary and they just, you know, like I said, there's rules in place and they have, you know, standard operating procedures for this and this and, and the, and the um, authorizations are denied. So I, I do think that what Consensus Cloud Solutions does is, is kind of adds a level of intelligence to this whole process that there's a perception is just um, so over automated that nobody is really looking at each individual patient, each individual member as at an individual life and that they each have different kinds of clinical outcomes or diagnoses and morbidities, et cetera, that are not being taken into consideration when an authorization has to happen from a health plan. So it's a uh, kind of a, like I said, it's more of a robotic process automation to quickly approve um, or deny a, a health plan. And we believe at consensus that still using technology, meaning don't throw more people at this to just open up and look and have to study an authorization, but we truly believe that with NLP and AI, that you can keep that automation, you can speed track it, but that you've got the right level of intelligence to make decisions that are not just done um, because it's a business process automation. I'm beginning to suspect that uh, healthcare and insurance is a little complicated. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it definitely can be, um, especially... Uh, with the whole interoperability and data sharing and all that kind of stuff going on in the authorization process too. Absolutely. Well, we, we talked about, you know, electronic prior authorizations, you know, growing in volume, uh, growing from the manual sending process. Are you saying that technology, what we have, what we're doing right now is not really enough to streamline the process like we need to? You know, it's a great, it's a great question, Marcus. So when we started our conversation, and I mentioned an electronic prior authorization. When you think of Consensus Cloud Solution, our, our, our flagship product is digital cloud faxing. We're, we're, we have eFax, we're the largest in healthcare and one of the largest in the world, is that even still, that cloud fax is a PDF document and it's unstructured. So it, it, it still has to be opened by someone and the patient demographics have to be matched to a member database and somebody has to do the data entry. Um, and then you still have to have all the clinical data 
and, and you know, all the step therapy information, all that has to be entered. And, and that requires a huge manual process to do that. Anything that's urgent and providers are so frustrated that they will write urgent across a page that says in black letters, urgent, you, you have to get this authorization done really quickly. That still has to be opened in a lockdown, unstructured document, looked at, and oh, this looks like it's urgent. Well, that cue for just opening those documents can really lag the prior authorization. So what our product consensus clarity does is we take that unstructured PDF document, we run it through our NLP AI, and our artificial intelligence will pull out the patient's demographics, match it to that member database, we pull out all the relevant clinical information and anything that's handwritten upside down, sideways across a, um, a prior authorization that says urgent, our artificial intelligent machine learning um, can now recognize that that says urgent. And what the, what the health plan will get is a completely structured data document. It's in what's called a JSON file, um, meaning that every single field is a separate field and it can be mapped into the prior authorization system. So if it says urgent, it will be flagged urgent as a structured note. And the health plan can say anything coming in that is flagged as an urgent needs to go to this queue. No human had to touch that authorization to have all of that data entered. And that is a huge benefit to the health plan. We have one particular partner we're working with and that they do medications and they have well over 200 people that are just looking at these medication prior authorizations to try to prove them. And there's been headlines too that say shave, you know, 20% off the time, um, even, even, you know, bigger savings and bigger um, ROI when you start looking at the value that NLP AI can have in that, in that authorization process. And no human has to touch it. And now it makes the data more intelligent to be able to put the rules on top that the, um, that the payer has that, that they can check off the list and not have to go back and start to add more data entry or request more information coming from the provider. Many times the provider will say, the information you want is in my original authorization, but some human opened it and didn't even see it. So we truly believe that, you know, with, with our ability to take a paper fax, move it to electronic, because now it's in the cloud, now it's an electronic document. Now that you have an electronic document, the possibilities are endless to make it meaningful and insightful when you can add NLP AI to it to help streamline that authorization process. I'll be honest, you had me at unstructured PDF, like <laughs> yeah. out that sounds like a nightmare and moving Moving from that to a structured, streamlined process with, you know, more uh, kind of a minimized mental burden uh, sounds like night and day to me. Yeah. And it's, you know, this is done in other industries as well. And it's, it's just, re it's really important to, to be able to, you know, fast track that. And in the current rule that CMS is requiring under the prior authorization proposed rule, um, you know, health plans are going to have to approve um, a Medicare um, authorization within 72 hours. I mean, there's some other language around it, but the essence is within 72 hours, you have to have an authorization approved for, you know, this type of patient or this type of a patient. And 
that's going to put a lot of the onus on on the health plans. And you know, even a commercial health plan that gets their payments coming from Medicare, um, when they're not adhering to a certain requirement that Medicare is, you know, is put into uh, the rulemaking process, then um, their reimbursements from Medicare are going to be less. So there's definitely an incentive for um, health plans, providers alike, to, you know, ensure that we, we, we can do something about this authorization process. So you, when you have the stakeholders, including our regulatory teams, the CMS and ONC, you know, health plans and providers, and even patients, because they're becoming more aware of how bad this problem is, um, all pushing for improvements in the process, then I think, and incentives, whether it's a punitive incentive or it's a, um, you know, a, a positive incentive, um, you've got better reimbursements all along, then you're going to see change. And I hope that meaningful change happens, you know, within the next 24 months, because we definitely have to do something about this process. And the next time you need an authorization, you, you know, if we do this right, as, as all stakeholders and partners coming together, you should be able to have that streamlined. Or you might find that your orthopedic physician has a gold star rating and he just orders an MRI and you get in for your MRI when you need it. So we all want to have better health outcomes. And I think that's what we'll end up with. Absolutely. So Bevy, why are prior authorizations uh, important in the referral management process? So what's interesting with referral management, um, again, I'm going to bring you all back to the times you were patients, is that let's just say that your, your primary care doc is going to refer you over to a dermatologist as an example. And you get the referral to the dermatologist and you think it's a smooth process from that continuity of your care, because as a patient, you're going to just call and try and set up an appointment with that dermatologist's office. But what's happening behind the scenes is that your, your PCP is sending on an authorization in many instances, depends again on the particular health plan, whether they require that kind of an authorization or not. Um, and onto that, onto that specialist. And that authorization can really stop the continuity of care if you don't have the referral to the specialist. Um, now you may think that, well, I'm on a PPO, so I can just call and go to any specialist that I want. And that's, that's, that's partly true. You can, but if you decide that within that specialist or you want to move on, you can't just pick up the phone and call and get your own MRI, as an example, or if you need to have a specific sort of a laser treatment at the dermatologist or, or an, an excision of something. If you, if you don't go through the authorization process um, as a patient, you may just pay out of pocket. So when you are being covered by uh, your insurance, then you are beholden to that insurance to authorize the, the type of treatments that they deem necessary for authorization. And sometimes that is a referral to a specialist. And we see this happen a lot. And I think one of the most noted cases was when a patient needed to be referred to an oncologist with a you know, suspected you know, test that needed to be done to look at whether the patient had cancer or not. And the, the health plan may make a decision that says, no, send the patient to physical therapy instead, because that's just probably a joint issue and doesn't need to go to an oncologist. One of the most expensive specialties that we have. 
Um, you can't pick up the phone and just say, well, I'm going to go to an oncologist just because I want to. Um, so it, it really can stop that treatment. And when you take a look at the technology that I mentioned before, so let's just say that a, a PCP, first, let's just say you have a small physician office that's going to paper fax a referral to a specialist. Well, that's going to be horrific because the specialist may not get it. It's sitting on a fax machine somewhere. So let's get all that digital, which is what we do. Now, when you want to still send a digital referral, if it happens to be in a PDF, the, the specialist that needs to accept that referral still has to open, add the information, look at what the patient's back, you know, what the patient's um, acuity state is, their demographics, and it's a manual process. So now we've got an electronic lockdown document. We turn that into a structured document. All that information can be pulled out, as I mentioned before, in the authorization process, and it can be sent right over to the specialist. It gets consumed in the EHR without a human even touching it. And now if there's an authorization required, that data can be structured to send that in for an authorization before the patient ends up with the specialist. That's all happening behind the scenes. And we have found that we can fast track what may be a referral that could take you know, up to two weeks, even for a patient to be seen in an outpatient surgery center. We can do that in about 24 hours and have it all enter the system, noted that it needs to have a referral because all that data is structured and it's entering the, the specialist system as it should. And it's also entering the specialist system in such a way that that specialist can accept or deny the referral right away. And specialists, I mean, their economic lifeblood is on trying to get referrals in, in many instances. So um, that's one of the examples that a prior authorization works across the continuity of care and can work or not work or can be helped with the use of NLP AI technology, even in that referral management process. Which is, you know, kind of just smoothing out some of these pain points, taking the, uh, you know, obstacles out of the way so that prior authorizations can, can kind of do what they are intended to do with the, you know, noble intentions they were started with. Right. And that's equal better health outcomes for everybody. And patient, patient treatment has moved along a lot faster. And uh, yeah, that's, that's all anybody in healthcare ultimately wants anyway. I want to thank you, Bevy, for, uh, for this really great discussion. It was really interesting. Uh, I learned a lot, I know. Uh, so thanks for making some time for us. Yeah, my pleasure. Appreciate it, Marcus. I'd also like to thank Consensus as well for sponsoring this episode. Bevy, how can our audience learn more? Um, so if you're interested in learning about our NLP AI solution and the examples I gave on this podcast for the product called Consensus Clarity, um, you can visit the consensus.com website and there's more information there um, with some use cases on how um, that solution can help um, speed up uh, referrals as well as authorization. Perfect. Well, there you have it. You can tune into more podcasts from Becker's Healthcare by visiting our podcast page. Have a wonderful rest of your day.